Welcome to the Yan Bar Podcast. Brian Barcelo, host of this episode. Today's guest, Bobby Newman. Hey, Bobby. Thank you for agreeing to do this podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Hey, check this out. Um, tell people um, who you are more and what you do. Well, my name is Bobby Newman. Um, I am a certified drug counselor as well as a uh, intervention professional, also a prevention specialist. And what I do is I go out and help families who have loved ones that are addicted to drugs or alcohol, help them find treatment programs and help them get their loved ones to agree to treatment. I also helped people who are struggling with uh, addiction, drug or alcohol addiction to find a, the right treatment program. Well, that's right. cool. Now, how long have you been doing this? Oh, I've been doing it over 21 years. Um, I, I actually, after going completing my own program 21 years ago, I decided to get into prevention where we go out and talk to kids about drugs and then it, it led into other things. And um, after setting up two prevention programs, I then went on into uh, um, doing interventions. Treatment centers would need people that, you know, to trying to get their loved ones into treatment. So I kind of got thrown into it. Um, but, and I developed a knack for it and obviously working with other professionals, I learned different, the do's and don'ts and kind of developed my own method of effectively getting people into treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like the idea of, um, is it prevention? What is that? Ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure? Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot harder to keep a kid from doing somebody from doing drugs than it is to get them off drugs. Ah, now check this out. Um, I'm familiar somewhat with, um, the 12 step program, you know, the blue book. And what I was curious about, um, you know, the efficacy, um, how effective, um, are, um, are the, is the blue book or the 12 step programs? Well, the 12 step program, I, I know a lot of people that have had their lives changed due to the 12 step program. Uh, you know, some of my friends are sponsors, uh, some of the treatment centers that I work with use the 12, uh, the 12 step method or, um, you know, some, a portion of it not that may not compose their entire program, but it's 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 a component. So you know, fundamentally, it's good for fellowship. It's also there's there's parts about it that you know, taking a moral inventory, making amends to those that you've wronged, and accepting responsibility, things like that, that uh, really resonate with a lot of people. And it's uh, you know, one of the things about it is the fellowship and and being part of a group that's trying to improve yourself. Um, so that those things the fundamentally are uh, positive steps towards recovery, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, what you offer, um, does that have anything to do with this uh, 12 steps? It, it does. I mean, not necessarily to, in the beginning, because, you know, getting somebody into treatment is, you know, just there's a process to do that. But um, I and but a lot of the programs that I use, use the 12 step method. So with that, you know, so it's not in the beginning stages, but after they get to treatment, they get through detox, then they start, you know, implementing the 12 step approach. Mm -hmm. Now, when, when people, first of all, how do people contact you? How do they get to, um, to your services? How do they find out about you? They can reach me at 866-989-4499, or they can go to my website at newmaninterventions.com, which is N-E-W-M-A-N interventions.com. And be sure to pull on, place all of that in um, the descriptions. Okay. Okay. Now, just uh, when somebody comes to you, what's one of the first things that um, you do to work with them? Do you actually have, um, like you know, see on TV, where you have family members gather around a person? It seems like they're ambushed and you have family members gather around. Is it something like that that you do? 
Well, you know, there's, there's the different types of interventions that um, are employed. And a lot of times the person, most of the time, the person who's addicted is, if you were to sit down and say, hey, I want you to come over and talk to you about going to treatment, that person most of the time it's not going to show up. So you have to use whatever means you can to get the person in a, in an environment to which you can actually communicate how you feel. And, you know, that the intervention show is a good um, way of kind of getting an idea of what an intervention is about, but there's a lot more that goes into it than just what you see on the TV. And, and also the other thing to keep in mind is they're, they're wanting you, there's, they're wanting those dramatic effects. So not all, and so they're going to show you these um, situations that were quite dramatic, and and an intervention is a dr- dramatic. I don't don't take, get me wrong, but it's also the majority of the time if we approach the person in the right manner, they will accept help without it being getting going off the deep end. Now, one of the, my my mantra is we always hope and pray for the best, but we prepare ourselves for the worst case scenario because this is addiction. This is something that will kill the person. It is very powerful. And it's, so as a family, we work to, to, to develop a plan that will be very thorough in the process. And uh, again, most of the time we don't have to go to consequences of, you know, and we're, we're not going to go in there and, you know, tell them how bad a person they are. We're not going to go in there and tell them, gang up on them. We, we hope to alleviate that feeling of, you know, being, you know, ambushed, like you say, because that is a common, you know, thing in, in philosophy. And, and a lot of times family members don't feel like they, they feel like they're betraying the person by doing that. And the truth is, is that the person's not thinking correctly. They're, they're, they're influenced by drugs and alcohol, their entire outlook and reality on life. And their, you know, their, their lifestyle is, is crazy. So you have to understand that you're not dealing with the rational person. And so for the greatest good for that person, just to get in front of them is um, very important. So you have to use whatever means that you can. And, um, and unfortunately, that them not knowing that there's going to be an intervention is, is pretty much the fundamental thing that has to happen. Now, I have walked into interventions where they knew we were coming. And it's always a great sign. If somebody is, knows that, there's going to be the family's going to sit down and talk to them and they're willing to sit down and talk, then that's a great sign that, 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 you know, I'm, it's almost like we're halfway there already. And once we just now have to get the agreement to see, to, to, to show the person how going into a program is going to help them um, get achieved what they want, because a lot of times people will say, Oh, I want help, but I don't want to go into a program. You know, and the, the, the fundamentally, if you can explain to them that, look, if you're going to stay around the same people in the same environment doing the same things, you can go to the best counselor in the world. And as soon as you come back into that environment, you're going to have the same what they call triggers. You know, you're going to have those same things. People are going to do the same things. The same people are going to be around. You're going to have the same sight, sound, smells, friends, everything else that's going on. And so you're not it's really, really, really hard to have success in that, in that environment. And if you're not willing to make a change to overcome something that could cost you your family, your health, your freedom, your life, 
then the likelihood you're going to have any success is not that great too. I mean, there's a number of reasons that we just lay it out for the person and say, here's, yeah, okay, well, you could go to outpatient, but here's what happens. Here's how it works. Here's the statistics and getting out of the area, getting away from the common stomping grounds or environment is a therapeutic thing in and of itself out of the environment, get the person some rest and relax, get them to like this relax for a minute. And then, um, then give them some education and some counseling to find out what's going on so they can have, get some traction on this. I, and I'm giving you a long answer, but um, that's, that's fine. It, Important. That's no. one, you know, I won't even recommend, I mean, somebody, most of the time, if they're looking for a treatment program and they want to go to a treatment program, right. And they're, they want to do an intervention and they want to go, Oh, we want to keep him close because we want to go and visit. Well, I see. that's not the thing. Well, we want him to have family support. Well, he's got family support now. And that's not the thing that's going to save his life. Yeah, so, you're right. Um, I've been yeah. taught about people, um, places and things. Yeah. And you're right. You want to try to get away from those things that caused you to use. And tell yeah. me something, Bobby, Um, if you could, could you walk us through what um, a typical intervention would entail? Like, how do you open up with that? When somebody walks in like, surprise, <laughs> how do you handle something yeah. like that? <laughs> Well, it's like there's a lot of there's basically what I call six steps to an intervention. There's the deciding that you're going to do something for your loved one, regardless of the pushback that you get from your family members or friends that will say, oh, you don't do this. They don't work, uh, which, again, about 90 percent of the time they do. I, I, and that's that's across the board with any type of environment. You know, whether I, I've gone out and find people on the street that the family hasn't seen in two years and got them to go to treatment. You know, and it, or the guy who's living at home has got the wife and kids that are fed up and ready to walk out the door if he doesn't change his ways. And he, you know, it's being a good guy. He doesn't want that to happen. So he's willing to go to. Re so there's two different the different scenarios. But there's you have to decide that you're going to you know what I'm going to do everything when this is over. I've done everything I can to help my loved one, mm -hmm. you know, and it still doesn't give, give success. So that's the, the decision is number one. Number two is planning. You're going to plan when it's going to be, who's going to be involved. You don't, you want to make sure that you have people on your team that are going to work with you and you're going to operate as a unit. You're going to do this as a unit because it's going to take a, you know, a, a group, some, you know, and then you're, and so you're going to plan when it's going to be, where it's going to be, who's going to be involved, um, all those, the planning stage. And once you do that, then you prepare, you, you, we write written letters of communication to him and whether, um, you know, this gives an opportunity for the family to tell how they feel, how much they love the person, how much the person means to them, and how this is affecting themselves, as well as what they'd like to see happen for the future. Now, this is, doesn't contain a threat. If you don't go to treatment, we're going to not have anything to do with you. It doesn't, it just tells the person how much this is, this is what we, how we feel and what you mean to us. And uh, so that's the preparation. And we prepare for any objections the person's going to have. We prepare for any reaction the person's going to have. Any Anyone. We go over all the scenarios. Um, um, and then we, we hope to, we, we basically gauge, you know, what, what this person feels like their problem is. A lot of times people will feel like it's not drugs and alcohol that's the problem. It's something else. It could be, you know, it could be... Uh, 
lack of self-esteem. It could be loneliness. It could be, uh, you know, learning how to deal with people. It could be, I want a relationship. I want to have a family. I mean, what, you know, so you can, you can help that. If I could help you with that, would you be interested in getting help? Yeah, I would. Okay, great. First thing we need to do is get you off the drugs and alcohol. Yeah, tell right. me something, Bobby. How yeah. how can you tell if a person is um just in denial? And then they say, Oh, it's not the drugs and alcohol is my problem. It's something else. How do you know if they're in denial or not? Well, they'll tell you most of the time it's not, it's and usually a lot of times they'll say, Oh, it's you know, it's mom or it's dad or it's my sister, or it's my family. I mean, okay, well, what are they doing that's causing a problem? Well, they won't leave me alone. Well, what do you mean they won't you leave you alone? You know, or I had a kid uh, out in Hawaii once that went and stole a car from his family and then drove it down the road into a telephone pole, high on drunk, drunk on drunk and high on Xanax. And we sat down to do the intervention. And he said, I don't have a drug problem. I'm like, okay, how's your life going? He said, well, it sucks. Okay. Well, what sucks about your life? And he says, uh, well, I, I can't stand people. I said, well, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people out there. I can't stand either, but I can't go and drive my car into a telephone pole on purpose as a solution to that. I got to learn how to, we got to learn how to deal with that. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, how can you help me with that? I said, and I told, I started telling him how this particular program he was going to go into would help him. And he became very interested. And he said, I can't, I, you know, and he was, and when he said, when people say things like that, they're actually being very honest. They're, they're trying to figure it out, you know? Um, and but, you know, then they want to start bargaining, bargaining, bargaining with you to say, oh, I can solve it this other way. I can do it this other way. Right. You know, I can do it this way or I can do that way. Well, you know, they don't know what they, they don't. Their solution to solve that problem was doing drugs. <laughs> so they're they're not that they're dumb or anything. Most of the people that I deal with are very intelligent, very capable people. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, I've become friends with a lot of them that have, mm -hmm. you know, that I've done interventions on. But um the um the, you know we just have to go in there and find out what they feel is ruining their life and it oh, could be drugs and alcohol it could be something else it could be somebody a negative person in their environment it could be you know something so we just it, we hope to and that's part of the process of you know going through the six stages is planning or the deciding planning preparation executing and then introducing the consequences. If at, 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 during the con the intervention, we we say, look, you know, you, I don't have to go to treatment. You can't make me go to treatment. I said, no, we can't. We can't make you go to treatment. The program won't even take you if you're not willing to be there. There's not a jail. It's not a you know. So um, you have to be willing to sign up for it. But you know, if you choose, to, and after considerable effort, I'm talking considerable effort. Sometimes several hours, maybe even a couple of days, then we would work out here's the consequences of you not going to get help. If you're not changing your life, not taking the steps to change your life. Well, what's, you know, the consequences generally are the enabler, whoever that is, then there's always an enabler of some sort, 99% of the time um, to stop doing that. And the family's basically going to put, put them at a distance. They're never going to disown them. You know, that's a tough, that's a tall order. Right. But they, they are, they, um, they can put them at, 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 at arm's length. You know, most of the time the family members have been contacting the person consistently for days or the person will contact them. There's this constant communication. Well, if that that's cut off, that's actually a therapeutic thing that would motivate the person to, to change too.
I've had, I've done it in interventions where like on the second day, the person's refusing to go get help and they're not, they're, they're off in the wind. The family doesn't know what they are and they can keep reaching out. I said, stop reaching out, stop reaching out to them. Stop, you know, stop trying to chase them around. You're not going to, they're obviously going to keep running from you if you're continuing to chase them. If you start pulling back, you're more likely to pull them back in because they really don't want that line to be cut. So we can manipulate that situation based on that relationship. I've got anyway. And then, and then you, carrying that out, if the, the smaller percentage of people like less than 10%, maybe even five to 7% of the people, it comes to the stages of actually having to, you know, May play what I call play the long game, meaning it could take weeks or even months for this person to finally come back to the family because they, oh, I'm going to go couch hop. Well, they'll go couch hop with their friends and they do to the friends what they've been doing to the family. The friends aren't going to put up with it. I don't care right. if they've grown up since childhood. They're going to be like, get out of here. I don't want that, mm. you know? So, and then eventually they're going to circle back to where, you know, they know they can get support or money or whatever it is and uh, right back to the family. Uh, and I, I, I've got many stories that where these particular situations, um, you know, I've had to tell people when the, uh, they leave, I had a kid in Arizona once rode off on a skateboard and he said, I don't want my family to feel bad. That's why I'm leaving. I said, well, you don't, you think leaving is going to make them feel better. They're going to be worried sick, mm-hmm. you know, look at, they're in there pouring their hearts out to you and you're just going to ride off. That's well, that's drugs talk, right? Mm-hmm. I was about yeah, to cool. say that it sounds like that stinking thinking that a lot of addicts have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely drugs. And well, he circles back, and I told the family, I said, "You're actually, you know, after a week or two weeks, or I, I don't remember how long it was." The mom was calling me, and I said, "You're just hold tight, just hold tight. He's gonna call. He's gonna call." He made his way all the way from Arizona to California, and all the way up the coast of California to the Bay Area. And then he came back down and ended up in L.A. And he called his mom. He said, I'm shoeless. I don't have any shoes. I don't have any money. I'm on the streets of L.A. And, and she was going to send him money for shoes. I said, no, no, you don't. You, I, we called a treatment center out there and they went and picked him up and took him to treatment. <laughs> Excellent. So we're talking about rock bottom here. Yeah. You're bringing the bottom to them. Oh, really? you're, you're basically you, if they've never allowed to suffer the consequences of their decisions, they're not, they're likely not going to get help. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, we bring the bottom to them, hopefully to prevent the hospital or the jail or the death that's coming their way. Right. You know? Yeah. Jails, deaths, institutions or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I love that concept, bringing the bottom to them. Never heard of that before. That's good stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. well, if, if you've got mom and, and or dad or whomever, constantly bailing you out providing food and shelter you're not oh, i don't have a problem well they don't have a problem they can keep up the lifestyle and they don't have to worry about anything so let's you know again we're going to ask them very nicely and in, in a caring manner tell them how much we love them and if they choose not to then they say well okay well you don't have to go to treatment but we now have a decision to make because we don't want addiction in our life you know, we don't want it in our life. We want it out of our life. And you're never going to love the addiction out of somebody. I mean, you can, obviously you're never going to, and I, I want to clarify that. I've had people love people. You'll love, it's what we call in the intervention world, loving somebody to death, hmm. literally loving them to death because you're going to keep feeding them and clothing them and they're going to keep doing drugs. 
I love this person. I can't, you know, well, you're not helping them <laughs> by doing that. You're making it, you're, if you're not creating a scenario to where it's going to motivate them to change by whatever, then, then um, you're not helping them. You're, you're making it. It's, 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 it's kind of like this. If you have a five-year-old who doesn't know how to tie shoes, you keep tying his shoes for him. Is he ever going to learn how to tie shoes? No, he's not. He's got. Why should, why should he? Yeah, why should he? He's got somebody tying for him. So exactly. that's that's the philosophy. It's like and it it goes into um, you know even adulthood, and you, they got to stop. And 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 if you're and I and I'll tell people before, you know I've I've been an addict, and I you know I had a family member. It's not their fault. I'm just saying they did the same things. I they they would bail me out of every mess that I created. And, you know, I don't blame them for that. I'm just saying they did it. And when they stopped doing it, that's when I decided to change. Understood. Now, I noticed in your bio, it had mentioned um, federal, um, perhaps federal time. I don't think that you did federal time, but it seems like it was on the table or something for you. Oh, no, it was so close. It's, a, it's a, I actually describe it. I get to thinking about it. It's so close. It's all, the next, the only way it would have been any closer is if they'd been chasing me down the street with the sirens on in the car. Because I had violated, I went in and I got busted, uh, uh, arrested for three charges, uh, possession of two drugs and a loaded firearm, concealed weapon. And then uh, it's $100,000 each charge and two and a half years each charge. Ooh. And they were looking at it. So but, uh, I went in into court. I was smart enough to negotiate down to two weeks and $2,500 in fines with six months probation without an attorney. Right. Wow. So I did that, but then I was stupid enough to continue to use and violated three times. And they called me back into court and that deal that they gave me now, they were, <laughs> they were, like, they had the hammer, they showed it to me. They said, you know, if you, we're going to lower the boom on you, dude. If you do have to come in this courtroom one more time, you're going to do prison time. And I said, okay. So my family came and met with me after I got out of jail and they said, do you want to go to treatment? I said, no. I said, I know what I need to do. I need to stop hanging out with my friends. I need to go to work every day. I need, you know, the, the things that I've heard a thousand times since then. And um, then I went out and violated. Uh, well, I, I went about two weeks. I OD'd. I got arrested again. They didn't catch me with the drugs on me. Um, and then I wrecked another car. Wow. And then I finally, and then I had to take another drug test that I was going to fail, which I did fail. But I went and checked myself into rehab at that moment. And I had a little window of time to where I could check myself in and call the probation office and say, Hey, I'm in rehab. So they didn't, they didn't, they took my revocation papers and put them, you know, revoking my probation and uh, said, okay, well, he's in rehab. So tell him don't leave the rehab. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There. And that's how close it came. And I, I look at that. I'm like, how stupid it was just stupid. It was just dumb. I, 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 don't, I don't even, I mean, and I can and look back at that and think, Man, I was on thin ice. I was, yeah. yeah. You know, the, um, from what um, you just described, it seemed like the court was on two different sides of some things you just taught us. One was loving you to death. It seemed like the court was loving you to death by yeah. you know, allowing you to go back out. But they also brought that bottom up to you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that it, was, it, well, sorry, go ahead. Well, you know, it's funny because I had spent enough time well, the, the jail that I was in, having to report to for uh, pro federal probation, 80% of the people in there were, it was a big jail. And, um, and 
80% of the people in there were going to prison. They were waiting on their time. So they were, you know, convicts in there. They used to, these guys, there was murderers in there. Um, and so I got a taste of what prison would be like. And I even had a guy uh, tell me, he, you know, he's a, he was a black guy, but he sat out and now in the environment, he said, now, trust me, if you end up in the big house with me, we won't be friends. We won't, uh, you know, we can't segregate. Yeah, yeah. He said, no, you'll be, you'll have to, and you better join a gang because you won't, if you won't be surviving there and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to come after you. Wow. You know, they are. And he said, he told me he was, we were in the, like the little trustee area. And we were just chit chatting like, you know, two people. And, and, but he said, when it, you get in there, it's a different game. And I'm like, man. And then, and then the people that were in there, they're, they're, they don't have anything else going on in their life. They, it's just a different environment that I thought, you know, I, so I was fortunate enough. I think that's a, was fortunate enough to get a taste of that to where I'm like, I decided I don't want any part of that because I'm not going to make it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be in there and I'm going to fight my way out of it. I'm going to do whatever I can to fit my, to, mm -hmm. to, you know, and then I probably would do something stupid and yeah, catch another charge, catch another charge, be in there a lot longer. And yeah. um, so I thought, so that was, I, I, and some of my friends that never got in trouble, mm -hmm. they didn't get that experience. And so they ended up doing like 10 years. Ooh. Some of them got caught doing, they went up and they, they did 10 years in prison because wow. they didn't, you know, I was always getting in trouble. They never did. Mm -hmm. And then but when they did, they got in major trouble and they didn't, there was no turning back for them. They didn't get the opportunity that I did. Wow. So, you, um, seems like you inadvertently got um, involved in another program, the scared straight program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Yes, I did. <laughs> hey, Bobby. I, I, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, no, I, Hey, whatever <laughs> works, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. I was scared of that, you know. Yeah, so. man. You know what? I mean, anybody right mind would be think. Um, you would think. Just um, when we were talking earlier, we touched on um the gateway drugs, uh, marijuana. A lot of people seem to think it's um, uh, it's a pretty safe drug. But um, from what I understand, it leads or can lead, or oftentimes does lead to um abusing um way worse drugs. Should I say? Well, you know, people will argue that point with me mm -hmm. and I'm not into arguing with people about it. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, people, kids will tell me, Oh, you can't tell me that I, just because I smoke weed, I'm going to go on and do harder drugs. And I said, you're right. I can't, I, I, I'm not going to try. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that a certain percentage of people will like, you know, if you consistently use marijuana, you know, at the time when I was doing drug prevention a lot, which was about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, um, you know, it was about 22 to 23% of the kids that consistently smoke marijuana, statistically speaking, would go on to smoke, to do harder drugs. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I don't know which one of it is. I can't say, oh, you're going to and you're not. I, I, I just know out of 100 kids, 22, 23 of you consistently smoke weed, you're going to go on to do harder drugs. And I can also tell you that every person that has uh, tried heroin or cocaine or methamphetamine or and is heavily addicted started out with marijuana they usually it starts out with cigarettes alcohol marijuana and then they'll go into something harder and there's physical reasons for that and there's also mental or emotional reasons for that so you know and, and once you explain it to somebody they go oh, okay and these physical things happen to everybody at the same time i mean i mean not at the same time but everybody consistently they you know it changes the 
uh, neurochemistry of the brain. It changes the, the, your body handles toxins a certain way. It burns up nu nutrients that cause, have side effects as a result. Uh, you know, it contributes to depression or anxiety simply from the nutritional deficiencies that are created. You can take somebody that, you know, has not, there's certain nutrients that if you rob the person of those nutrients, they will create depression and anxiety simply from the physical effects. You know, you can actually cause somebody to have go into a psychosis by giving them not enough B1 or giving them too much B1. Wow. It just, our body, it just got um notification from um the Zoom folks. They said we got about 10 minutes. And check okay. this out. It's customarily on this podcast. I like to um, ask the guests, do you have um say parting words or words of wisdom? Anything you like to leave folks which you want to share with them? I I I certainly do. I mean, I appreciate the conversation. You know, there's a lot of things um that you know again. The wrong thing to do is nothing when it comes to your so your loved one. And even if you start out on a very minute gradient of saying, hey, I, I know there's a problem, you know, or I, do you have a problem or not? not you don't want to be like bl the blame game or, or, or make the person feel bad, you, especially or when it comes to your kids. You want to be a safe terminal for that. If the, per if, the if your child feels like they're going to get in trouble or yelled at for something that they've done, regardless if it's a mistake or not, they're not going to come and tell you about it. They're going to shy away. They're going to hide, hide it from you. But if they feel like that, you know, hey, I can go talk to my mom or to my dad or my brother or whomever about it, and I can be a, 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 a they, they're, you know, a safe person to talk to, then, you know, that's, that's always good. You always want to have an open communication line with the person. You always want to try to sit down and talk, you know, not condescendingly or not, you know, you just want to have a conversation and say, hey, you know, this is how it is. You know, and let them know that I'm here for you, regardless of what happens, I'm here for you. But you also have to be firm in your stance on your moral code. Your moral code needs to be strong and you need to try to set a good, you know, setting a good example means is, is even if you don't think that they're watching you, they are, you're, you know, they, they are watching you mm -hmm. and they're going to mimic you. So mm -hmm. that's my, anyway. So thank you. And once again, your phone number and website, please. My uh, Newman interventions.com, N E W M A N with an F interventions with an S on it.com. And then the number is 866-989-4499. Cool. All right. One moment, Bobby, everybody. Um, once again, um, end of another podcast. Thank you for joining us and be sure to check out our previous Yambar podcast guests. Once again, it's Brian Barcelo here with Bobby Newman. And thank you guys for joining us. Peace.